Hey, how's it going? My name is Seth. I am the kids director at Freedom Church. I'm back with another wonderful couple. We are going to be talking about the third and fourth actions from our book, Intentional Parenting. Those being encouraging words and genuine affection. Uh, who I have with me this week is Kat and Zach Emai. They are a awesome couple who have been attending Freedom for about a year, two years at this point. And I'm actually going to turn it over and let them kind of say hi and give you a little bit of their background and their parenting journey. So welcome, guys. Hi, I'm Catherine Emai, and this is my husband, Zachary Emai. Hello. And uh, we met each other in 2013. We got married in 2015 at the age of only 20. So we are um, still younger parents. Um, we had our firstborn in 2017. And, and our second uh, came to live with us in 2021. He, his name is Oliver and he was fully adopted as of last December. So we have one four-year-old and one five-year-old. We have traveled a lot of places with our kids. We have lived in, they were originally born in Virginia. So they have lived in three to four different states. We have um, moved a lot and traveled a lot with them and had a lot of ex experiences with them, even though they're very young. So um, we're talking about the encouraging words and genuine affection. Um, how have these two things kind of resonated with you guys? Like what kind of like stuck out talking about these things and reading about them in the book? Oliver, when he first came to Lord with us, was very negative about himself. He felt he couldn't do things uh, no matter what it was or how simple of a task it was. So we had to continually remind him that he could do things and encourage him a lot because yeah, he just, he felt like he couldn't do anything correctly. And it was always a celebratory thing, like an excitement whenever he could do the things that he didn't think he could. And it was most of the time because he thought that he wasn't good or that he thought he wasn't good enough to do things. It wasn't, he just didn't want to do the things. He would try, wouldn't be able to do it and be very discouraged to the point that he just would be sad. It took a very long time, but after him saying and him screaming after he did things, I can do things, it got a lot better. And we've lived with him for a year and a half now, almost two years. And his attitude and about himself has improved greatly. He does still think on occasion that he's a bad kid. And we have to consistently remind him that he is a good kid. Even if he hasn't made the greatest choices or decisions, um, we always make sure that we word it that he is um, a good kid who made a bad choice, not that he is a bad kid or he has been bad. So when I was younger, I had a lot of negative interactions, wordings, everything. My parents didn't have the correct phrasings of words a lot of the time. It felt like it was more directed at me and it felt unkind as I got older and I don't want my kids to ever feel that way so we are very intentional that we don't ever use words that could even harm we're even trying not to use words like um, he's too shy or he's too scared to do things we try and be encouraging with our words and never limit them with what we think they can do 
and try to just make sure that they have, they think that they're smart, that they're kind, that they're all of these things, even when they're just learning how to do them. And they may not be the best at them yet, but they're learning and they're getting better at all of those things. And I think that's just part of it. It's just part of being a kid and it just has to be grown into um, the can doing the things and being more confident in themselves without having us to back them up. During my childhood, a very common way that uh, my parents would try to curb any action I was doing is by either trying to embarrass or sometimes even like, what are you fooling me? And I've tried to do my best to make sure I'd never do that with the cakes. I try not to ever like, make fun of them for doing something. Or trying to embarrass them because it, I don't want to hurt like their confidence in themselves and their confidence to be able to do things around other people and not be afraid of being made fun of. In the in the section three, it speaks on how children are a gift from God and how if if they're such a gift from God, then we shouldn't be saying negative things towards them. We should only be bringing them in positive directions, even though sometimes that's hard and our words do slip and we do have hard times. Sometimes it's supposed to be in a positive direction. We know where we're going with them. We don't want to ever like discourage or make them feel less than they are because they are a gift from God. They, they're, they're very special. Everybody's kids are special to them in different ways, but so um, being somebody who has uh, a child that's biologically their own and an adopted child, what was that journey like having one one way and adding another one into your family? So at the beginning, it was pretty tough. It was, it was pretty tough, but the situation happened in less than a week when he, was, he came to live with us and it tested us at the beginning for the first couple of months, but it it felt right the entire time. It felt like it was just working towards a better goal the entire time. There was They did not get along at the beginning. Um, Leo did not like having a little brother like a, within a week span of us talking about it to having a little brother and having to share everything and being an only child at three. Uh, no, and he turned four the day before Oliver came to live with us, but he was still little. He did not enjoy it. There was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of times where Leo would want to be away from everybody and didn't want anybody like me or my husband. And he wanted other family members because he felt like he was less because Oliver needed all of this attention in the beginning. He needed he needed extra care. He had he wasn't talking. He was a lot smaller. He didn't know how to communicate, really. So our social worker said that he was developmentally behind and he had missed the phase of early childhood where you normally fold and rock your baby. Um, so we had to do that when he was about three to allow them to catch up developmentally to where he should have been. And to also teach him that eye contact is not a bad thing. And that it's never a threat or anything else. It's okay to show physical touch and affection. He had to learn all of that from the beginning. That also it affected Leo because Leo felt like he was getting a lot less. 
And we went through all of those stages with Oliver. We had to start from the infant of rocking him and holding him all the way to showing him how to eat things properly because he had a lot of food issues. And then we had to, con- like, we went through every single phase on a chart that says emotional charts and whatnot. We had to go through those phases, the question, the no phase, the ev- every single phase three, almost four. It was a journey and it kept us, it kept us truly questioning things. So we did a lot of parenting classes. We did, um, we did the one that the church provided. We have gone to other parenting classes and then in the community and We've tried really hard to understand all of the thing, all of the things that we need to for Oliver because Leo was an easier child. All children are difficult in their own ways, but Leo was very similar to how we are. And Oliver was drastically different. We had to learn how to make him the best, like give him the best opportunities for him consistently like it was always different from what we thought we needed to do and it was always researching and trying to figure out the best way to parrot him we have to be very intentional with our words with oliver because his the way he views the world is far different than the way we do um so making sure that things we word things to where they can can be taken uh concretely rather than an abstract uh like idea uh, one thing I'm kind of curious about is, um, so Leo kind of was in this environment with you guys and you brought in Oliver and now he was having to share you guys, share the word, share the genuine affection. How did that, how did that affect him? And did you guys have to compensate in any ways to make everybody feel validated? Um, there for a while, we essentially had to individually be a parent for each child's um cat because oliver uh bonded tupper way faster would essentially be the parent for oliver and i would be the parent for leo as far as uh, affection wise there was also the trips we would do trips and special things separately with them so that leo felt like he was still getting that attention and we also started we still do we still do night times with leo where we sit in the bed and he's Leo has, he just wants to talk. He wants to communicate consistently. So at nighttime, he lays in bed and his brain just keeps going. So Oliver just wants to go to sleep. Like once it's bedtime, it's bedtime. Leo, on the other hand, wants us to talk to him. He wants to explain his day, what his problems with his friends are. He talks about his classmates. He talks about us. He talks about things he really wants to do in the future. And it's only like... 10 15 minutes after bedtime it doesn't really take that much time but that started around that time and has continued and it's probably been why he is so relaxed at nighttime and he knows that's gonna happen he knows he's gonna talk and get what he needs at nighttime so it's and it's also probably the most fun time with him because you can really get inside of his brain and understand his little world. And it's it's really cool to see it expand because he just started school this year and everything like that. So we also, there was a point at the very beginning that 
I didn't realize how much it was affecting Leo. And some family members, one specifically my aunt, had to come and talk to me about it and was explain that he doesn't want to hang out because he thinks that you're giving too. Like he only, you only care about Oliver. And I had to essentially shift gears for a little bit and yes still give Oliver everything that he needed but every single moment that I could have alone with Leo nap times spent all of nap times with Leo and pretty much just holding him at that point because at when we brought Oliver in Leo became way more wanting physical touch Mm. and it became where we had to make sure it was part of our day. We had to have time for Leo to feel like he was still just as important as Oliver. Like, I know it's all big and new and, like, we have a new sibling and that's important, but we also had to make sure that Leo was on solid ground and not down. One thing I was very curious about is it sounds like they were both in their own little world for affection. But at some point, you were bringing that world together, and they were kind of getting like family time, right? It's fact affection for everybody, and that's teaching Leo, oh, he's my brother, right? And so, what I was curious about was what was that journey like, that transition of having two obviously different people? How do we, what 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 was it like weaving a family together? So for a while, Zach was not with us because he was working at the lab, and. I, we hadn't moved here. The apartment complex that we're living in now was not open and we were waiting on it. So I was with the boys by myself. We were in North Carolina out in the middle of nowhere for a good portion. There's a phase called cocooning when you adopt a child and you're supposed to, you're supposed to be with your spouse and it's supposed to be family time purely. We couldn't do that. We only had a week notice of it, of him coming to live with us and Zach had a job and none of that worked out, but I still attempted my best to cocoon, FaceTime Zach, do all those things. So during that time was the time that Leo started to feel more and more separated. Well, then I went and stayed with family after that month or so of cocooning, trying to, and then I went and stayed with family. And they really helped. My aunt really helped bring us together in a lot of ways. And then after we left her house, after about another month, we went on vacations. And I put them in all the different ways they could be together. We went to all the water parks we could, where they had to be in the same floaties, everything like that, and just tried to make it as fun as possible and tried to make it if you're so busy you can't really focus on much else and I tried to do that because also Oliver thrived in that strangely enough he didn't have a lot of stimulation from before he came to live with us but anytime he's on a vacation this man is like that's his prime like he can manage to do he is way more energetic way more brave he will try anything that we like offer like this will be fun to do he's like yeah screaming excited like he wants to go out and explore do things be a part of everything as long as it's in his little bubble and he is safe around mostly most of the time it was me and as long as I was seen he was it like the trips and 
going places and making sure oh and also them helping each other at the arcades and playing games together at arcades it bonded them in a way that i think was really good for them because they are both so different yet want they're they're very much energetic boys so they just want to do things and have fun and they became so much closer during it was only like a two-month span that i was on vacations i believe and it was a lot of fun it was a very fun time period i thought it was necessary it was at a point that we were like we probably shouldn't be doing all this but it it really felt more family-esque it pulled us together more and then once we lived here i also know during that time um oliver's consistent person in his life didn't just have to be cat it switched over to where it was leo as long as leo was around he was comfortable um wherever he was at before it had to be cat if she wasn't around he sometimes was inconsolable um but once it switched during that period of time to leo as long as his brother was around he was comfortable so we had it covered between me and leo we always had it covered at some point so it became and then once we moved back here to los alamos we got a house together and zach was included in that picture he was the entire time but it was just facetime calls so it was more of a permanent this is dad that was a trip too that took a lot of separate time than spending together and we're still building that we're still making that that journey has been um very difficult uh for me because oliver in his life never had a consistent um male figure in his life um so taking any sort of instruction or viewing me as a parent and not just as like a much older brother essentially has been very difficult learning to connect with him and show him affection so what i'm hearing is um you guys did your due diligence virtually but then when you moved to los alamos it was no longer the virtual connection but now is now a physical connection so what was it like transitioning into that um at first oliver did not like me uh, at all um especially if i ever asked him to do something or you know, it was in the role of a parent and giving him instruction. He will never listen. But the more and more I have shown him affection, the more genuine affection and tried bonding with him, spending time uh, playing with him, doing the things he enjoys doing, um, the better our relationship has gotten. Um, the more he actually does listen to me and doesn't just treat me as an older child. Actually, views me as an adult or a parent figure. Was there a little bit of him learning what like a male parent figure was in this? Yes, absolutely. Because he never had a consistent um, male figure in his life up to that point. Okay. I think Oliver truly taught us patience because he wasn't just Leo. You tell him something, and yeah, he he may not listen to you the first time but the second time most likely he's just gonna be like oh okay cool and keep going with it oliver it it took us to understand what he needed to even get his attention to even begin to get him to listen to anything it takes 
Sometimes it takes us holding his hands, eye contact, a light touch on the shoulder, some sort of physical contact. His physical contact that he allows is a lot less than Leo's. Like Leo, we can pick up, run up, pick up, spin around, do whatever. Oliver will lunch sometimes away from you or anything. So you got to like come up, touch his shoulder. I like to scruffle his hair. He's really used to scruffling hair. There's different things that he likes, but that's you don't do that, you're not going to get anything in the first place. And then it's also trying to convince him to stop doing other things and talking to him for a second. He didn't really have that before. So it takes a little bit more for him to understand, hey, this is why we need to stop doing this or why we need to not do it this way. Or you could get hurt doing this. It takes a little bit more explaining, but there's so many steps that go to through to get to just explaining things for him that we had to learn. We had to learn a lot. So we had to have a lot of patience at the beginning because we were, we didn't know what we were dealing with completely. We took those, we took a lot of classes, but we were learning still. And we've learned a pattern now of what we have to do to actually get him to even be receptive to learning something new or trying to curb a behavior or to to basically anything and honestly encouraging words and genuine affection both of those things were necessary for him to be where he is now because he would be completely different without the just trying to be intentional with our words to encourage him um because i know it's like a parent if one of your kids does something that just doesn't make sense to you your first and middle for reactions, just ask why. That doesn't work with Oliver. His mind doesn't work in that way. Um, you have to ask him what happened because it's something concrete. It's something visual, right? It's not like an abstract thought. Um, if you're asking why he did something, that's like ask him you know, what in your mind made you think that you know, it was okay to do that or rather than just asking him what happened and typically in that he's able to describe to us the things that happened before and after that led to him making that decision so in the book it speaks on sticks and stones will break my bones but words will never hurt me and right after it says that whoever said it was an idiot um that's very much true um words do affect and not all the time does it sound like cursing or does it sound like that was dumb or stupid or why would you do that like angrily or any or even yelling it doesn't always sound like that and a lot of the ways it speaks on like just saying things like he's shy consistently can change your child's behavior or uh he's my wild child was another example out of it and one we commonly use is for oliver is He's not very good with, in social situations. And we are trying our best now to limit how he hears that. This, this book taught us that. <laughs> limit that one and try and encourage him more in that area since we, we do say it a good, off, a good amount of time. I think this pointed out that this is, this is something that we should probably work towards and encourage him more on in his social situations. Uh, another one to... Um... I know I use a lot that I'm trying to get better on is saying, you know, he's, he's just a little clumsy 
um, because I think it's making him feel like he can't do things as well in like any sort of athletic fields or anything like that. And so I want to be better about that specifically, um, encouraging him and letting him know that he can do all the things his brother does because he always tries to follow him everywhere. And that's usually when I say it, and it's because I won't let him climb on something that his brother is, because I'm a, I am afraid he's gonna hurt himself. But um, I think encouraging, as long as it's still in a safe scenario. One of the things that I think is interesting that this kind of just reminds me is how, one, kids want to validate their parents. And so when parents speak things out, kids internalize that and say, I, I want to be that because that's what my parents think I am. And so speaking out, encouraging things is good, but how we encourage the kid, and I think the book talks about this is super important so that you're not repeating a shame and praise cycle or performance driven cycle, right? So like in the book they talk about, I think it's in the book or in the video, they talk about like a kid who hit a home run and then instead of saying, hey, I love when you hit home runs, it's awesome. Say, hey, I love that you went out there and gave it your best. So you're not praising that action, which doesn't in turn make your kid think, I have to perform to get praise. That is something I dealt with a lot in my life. Um, I remember there were several baseball games that um, I felt like I did terrible because I didn't hit a home run or I didn't you know, I struck out once out of like five at bats or something, you know, and because of things like that, I always felt that I wasn't meeting my parents' expectations. And that has carried on later into my life because, um, you know, I always got good grades in school and I was part of several athletic teams and I was sort of the golden child in all of my families. And then you go into the real world and you're an average person don't have that consistent craze coming and it does affect you in strange ways learning to accept yourself flaws and everything um and i don't want my kids to ever have to deal with that um i want them to be proud of who they are regardless of how good or bad it's something they are I try to throw in the, you should be proud of yourself. Not just, I'm proud of you. I will throw those in there because I'm pretty proud of them a lot of time. But also, you should be proud of yourself. Or anything, not just when they accomplish things, but when it's something even small, it's an accomplishment or anything like that. You should also be proud because it builds, a, it builds them up to where they need to be. Reminding them that we are proud of them, but they should also be proud of themselves. And it's not about our approval. It is about them being okay with themselves, them leading, leading the kindest lives, the like best lives that they can. Not, it's not really about a, it. In other places in the books, it talks about how when they're older, they're, they'll see it when they're older and building blocks to make them instead of who they are going to. So almost in a, in a way, your job or the way you guys kind of see parenting is it's you guys are trying to make the best little person. So there is encouragement for good things, correction for bad things, but not letting approval be the thing that is encouragement or correction. 
Yeah. Okay. Also that... Um, also, they're going to be whoever they are going to be, hopefully guided in the right way as best as possible, but they're going to be whoever they're going to be. So just trying to give them all the tools they need for them to be okay. Like part of it is going to church and figuring out the right way to lead that part of their lives as well. Cause we all have to figure that out on our own too. I believe like we teach them how we teach them as much as we can, but they've got to make that journey on their own. So it's us just leading them in the right direction and then kind of being like, you can do it. Mm -hmm. And just being there for them Lily can be as much as possible. <laughs> even right now they're expanding, like even at four and five, our oldest is almost six and he's doing, he wants to do things on his own and wants to talk about things that are more in depth and very heavy a lot of the time and explaining those things and where he leads to with those things is even at six is interesting and very different from how we thanks so much for sitting down and you know chatting for the last little bit it's great to get to hear your guys's insight and you know just pick your guys's brains on your unique parenting journey thank you thank you for having us so i do want to leave you guys with something to be thinking about this week as i wrap up this week's podcast and that is we we're talking about encouraging words and genuine affection so something to be thinking about is how are our words affecting the people around us and i don't just mean our direct words but our indirect words example when you come home and you kind of have a conversation about what you think about your boss right what is your kid picking up in that conversation thinking about that kind of stuff so i love to leave you guys with that thanks again for tuning into this podcast and i hope you guys have a great week bye <laughs>